Brooklyn sounds like. Welcome back to another Sunday on Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, I'm Emily Scott. We're, and I'm Matthew yes, Schneeman. We're here with Matt and with Jasmine. Hello, I'm Jasmine Smith. Hello, oh. hello. Hello, hello. Testing. Um, Teresa is forthcoming. Very excited for her arrival. Um, today we have Matt on the boards. How are you feeling, Matt? I'm feeling good running the boards. It's um, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking, mm-hmm. but I, I believe that hopefully no one will... Notice any flummoxed uh, engineering uh, <laughs> manual engagements. No, just me. I'm just here watching. Uh, perfect. And everyone's having a good weekend, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's still it's going good. <laughs> still here. Another day. Uh, okay. Awesome. Uh, should we jump into the local news, Matt? Yeah. Let's, let's hit it. Um, we're talking about lead. Lead. Why won't it go away? 15 years ago. <laughs> There's some legislation passed to eliminate lead poisoning in New York City, and that's great. Lead poisoning has dramatically gone down by 90%, which uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, but the city has not reached its target goal, uh, and that was back in 2010. Lead remains a danger in many homes. Taken from the summary of New York City's Compton uh, comptroller, Scott Stringer's investigation, Here's a quote. Between January 1st, 2013 and October 10th, 2018 alone, 26,027 children under the age of 18 tragically tested positive for elevated blood lead levels of 5 micrograms per decimer. Or deciliter? Deciliter. Pardon me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the current bench, which is the current benchmark for public health action recommended by the CDC. Now, of those 26,000, uh, I've been seeing a, a, a collection of numbers. I, I, I saw earlier this morning that it was just 2,700 uh, tested, tested positive for like lead poisoning. Um, mm. There's a couple numbers going around, so I'm not going to pretend that I'm fluent in what all of these mean. Um, but yes, lead uh, continues to be a problem. Uh, and... It's a tricky one because a lot of the apartments and the houses are privately owned and trying to get access and trying to get numbers seems to be difficult. There was a big mess up between departments and and that's kind of what this whole scandal is about is that one department, which was the Department of Housing and um, Preservation, did not get the information from the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, Mm. which Department of Health and mental hygiene is kind of a funny yeah, it's name. Such an outdated. It's like so 1950s. <laughs> so, so it's kind of. It seems like there's a bu- bureaucratic uh, uh, lack of communication, which is not the most in- sensational story, but the mm-hmm. ramifications are fairly large. So, yeah, fairly yeah. troubling. Yeah. Yikes. Um, so, it, so this also the difference. There's like it's it's setting a difference between lead poisoning and elevated blood levels of lead is that right yes yeah okay so of the twenty six thousand, two thousand, 
uh, were suffering from actual poisoning. Yes, okay. but 26,000 had... Right, right. I would, like, exposure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it true that there's no really safe level of lead to have? Like, I know, Probably. like, it gets to a point where it's a severe issue, but there's a lot of um, links between lead poisoning or having lead in your blood and, like, having learning difficulties mm-hmm. and all of that, and... I remember um, within the last year, there was a big story about how a, a lot of the lead um, was found in like public housing mm-hmm. in the city. So that yeah. leads to a lot of other issues where like you are already in a somewhat like neglected space and then your kids are maybe acting out and then it just becomes like a vicious cycle. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, not of course, but, you know, that idea that it's also, you know, the popu- the vulnerable populations once again getting the you know the worst end of the stick it feels like sometimes hi everybody hi Teresa welcome you I finally so showed quietly. up no it was like crazy <laughs> yeah. traffic today yeah um, I like your shirt oh thank you a little something a little something I had um iron anyway um so I had a friend who had um one of her friends their kids um were exposed to lead in their apartment and they had to move and go into like um like some safe housing, which was equivalent to like a family shelter. Mm. They were in because that, of the lead. Yeah. Oh, they had to leave. They had mentioned it to their landlord a couple of times and he just wasn't moving quickly on it. And the kids were just like a lot of time went by, like almost a year. Wow. And mm. they weren't really making any significant changes. So they were in that, that shelter probably about maybe almost a year wow. to try to find transitional wow. housing out with two young kids below five. You know, it's a really wow. tough situation that um, people can get away with this yeah. in 2019 uh, when so many people have children. Can I ask a clarification question? So yeah. we're talking about lead pipes or lead paint it was or paint. both? Okay, it was paint. in the paint. So yeah. you could see it like chipping in the yeah, house yeah. in different corners and stuff like that. So as it began to wear, they had lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they just weren't moving fast enough. So they had to make a choice. Right. What let You know, kids. what to do. Yeah. And they're, you know, a young family in. raising two children. They had to go into an emergency situation. Wow. So it's really, it's really tough. It doesn't seem like you hear many conversations about this either. No. Well, I mean, you're hearing more and more after Flint, first of all. Yeah. Um, and Newark, mostly related to water, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, lead paint is an interesting one too, that it's, yeah. Cause I, I think almost every lease, you know, I know for a fact, actually any building that was built before 1978, mm. uh, which I'm guessing is about when this legislation started become going into action. Um, you have to have a rider in your lease saying there may or may not be lead paint because the building was built before 1978, before those laws. So, so you think about how many pre-war yeah. buildings we yeah. have yeah. in New York City. It's an um, city. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's a lot. It's a lot of fam- young families exposed. Yeah. Um, so definitely something we need to look out for. Yeah. yeah. And jumping even further back in time, the Romans, the <laughs> ancient Romans. Oh my. <laughs> they they used a lot of lead, and I think there's this this kind of fallacy that people didn't know better. It's kind of what we always tell ourselves right. about lead uh lead lead and gasoline they're like oh they didn't know better but turns out the industry certainly did know and certain scientists mm-hmm. were aware of it and there's a famous story of one getting uh, shut down and and uh had his reputation attacked to, and but he persisted and that's one reason why we don't have lead and gasoline anymore but mm. way back in the day the romans found that lead was great to make for plumbing and everything because it is great it's, it's malleable it's mm-hmm. it does the job uh but it's very toxic and they knew that, hmm. but guess who was laying the uh, the foundations, mm-hmm. right? The because the the installation was 
what is where the problem is. If water is continually running through it, mm-hmm. it's not as toxic, but like when it breaks down or something. But yeah, so you had the underclass, the, the oh, people. Um, it was just remnants everywhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang. The more things change, yeah, the more they, they stay, stay the same. same. Exactly. Like God. You know. Terrible. Um, well. All right. So, uh, Jasmine, would yes. you like to lead us into our next local news story? Sure. So, last week, um, if you were with us, we were discussing the gorilla subway ads. Yeah. That are being put up. They're basically saying, you know, don't be a snitch. Like, <laughs> real New Yorkers help each other out. So there's been a great push in the city to increase the police presence um, on the subways, um, around, like, bus stations to try to catch fare beaters. Mm-hmm. And in a response to that, like, there's different groups. Like, one um, example is Swipe It Forward NYC, like, grassroots organizers trying to make people realize that, you know, the marginalized are the most heavily impacted by this heavy police presence. Mm -hmm. And one of the small things that you can do, like if you have an unlimited Metro card is on your way out, keep a lookout for people that are around that might need a swipe in um, because that is not illegal. Um, Asking for a swipe is, or like you might get a fine for that. I've noticed that people don't actually ask. Oh, yeah, like kinda, they, they look, kind of look at you, or like they look, and you have to pay attention. Yeah. The physical motion, yeah, right. So yeah. that's yeah. an important thing. You know, everybody's busy, and it might seem small, but that's a big deal for someone to be able to get in. And yeah. you can also, if you go on a bus and maybe you don't need a transfer, you can ask for a transfer and give it to someone else because they mm. can use it on another bus. Mm. But it looks like you won't have to swipe much forward anymore. You won't have anything to swipe mm. because the city is trying to replace the Metro card that we all know or have gotten used to. And some of us hate (laughs) with this new tap system called Omni. So it's a tap system where you can tap your bank card, a credit or debit card, or you can use your smartphone if it's connected to something like Apple pay to get into the subway system, which is supposed to, you know, make things very fast, very convenient. Um, In the article that I got this information from for curb, it's like, Oh, one of New Yorkers best uh, resources is their time. This is helping us save time. Mm. So it might sound great, but one thing that is um, often forgotten is a lot of people in the city do not have bank accounts. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go to the check house cashing place. A lot of people might work in industries or in side jobs where they get paid in cash. So what does that mean for them? Um, as of 2015, which is four years ago, over 10% of households in New York City is unbanked. So they won't have access to this new convenient fast system. Hmm. So if we're already having issues now with people not being able to afford the fare and having to wait for someone to tap them in, like, is that going to become more of an issue? Like mm-hmm. as the cars are phased out, um, the city is claiming that people who use cash will still be able to use cash to purchase a standalone Omnicard, but Mm. that's not possible now. Like there's already stations where you can tap in to get in and out, but that is only for like a pay per ride thing. Like you can't yet do the unlimited. Mm. So you're not able to swipe someone if you wanted to, um, and you're not able to use cash at all. So once everyone, um, once they've made like this a uh, citywide thing, it's not initially going to be available for people ha- who have right. to use cash. So the first step after that is to say, OK, you have to go into a real a realtor, not a realtor, what a retailer, <laughs> uh-huh. 
like CVS or something like that to purchase a standalone Omnicard. And then eventually, like, you'll be able to use cash or change or quarters or whatever in the vending machines. But for one, are we sure that that's actually going to happen? Like, is that really is it really going to be that easy for people who must use cash? Will it be convenient? And also, if the most vulnerable people in the city, like, often have to go off and do some special process to refill a card. Mm -hmm. Will that lead to, you know, there's peop- one group of people that is able to just tap it and forget it and go and run and catch their train. And then you have other people that are more likely to have to talk to an agent. If the machine mm-hmm. is down, what's going to happen? We have machines going down now. So, um, yeah, it seems like it'll fix a lot of problems for some people, but mm-hmm. it might create a new set of problems for the same people we see targeted now. So. Hmm. Does this wow. just seem like a redirection for the problem? Because I know when we see a lot of um, MTA updates, it's like these Band-Aids, you know, that's right. like the history. Like, oh, we'll just, you know, reroute an entire group of people for an entire weekend as if they don't have to go to work. And you guys will just do this, but it's making improvements. And then what do you see? Like, where, right. what kind of improvements do we actually see? Or is this something that's more geared towards, you know, New Yorkers helping New Yorkers? Well, I... On that note, I when I first saw that this was being something rolled out, I I like almost rolled my eyes. I was like, "This is what you're spending money on." Right. Like, this yeah. is what I mean. Like, so like Metro cars, right. Metro cars are fine. Like I know that there's there's other cities that have you know newer systems that have better whatevers, but like, um, is it gonna make God, that big like, of a difference? Yeah. No, I mean it's like it is. It's just putting like a cosmetic. Right. Like um, PR Band-Aid on for some for some. But maybe there's a backlash. Like I personally had a backlash reaction. I was like, this is not what I needed. I need maybe like even more fans. So it's not 110 degrees down there in right. the middle of the summer. Yeah. Um, uh, that yeah. new subway station at what is it? 86th Street. The, the second oh, Avenue. Oh, my line? God. I feel oh, like yeah. I'm in like another country. No, it's like the new yeah. station. Yes. yes. The new it's artwork, like, it's, it's beautiful. Like the whole thing just feels more inviting. And it's There's more so climate much more controlled. Lighting. Yeah. Um, those are the type of things that we want to see improvements on. Like right. This Metro car right. thing. I, I mean, okay, I guess for saving time, but you're not saving us no time if the trains are still running right. crazy. Right. And right. we're all crowded like sardines on right. a hot ass platform. Right. And even, we're going to be in yeah. a bad mood by the time we get to our destination. And like, even make a like change. these last minute subway changes that are still happening all the time, like the announcement about the, we- the L wasn't running today. Um, in certain stations and I only found out like four days ago right because there were signs up like just like the last thank god you told us this morning I tried to oh, remind so everybody really no, <laughs> I didn't really help anybody but um, yeah it's like you know planned work is fine but like the it feels like it's always last minute or there's just last minute communication with the public about it or not at all Um, yeah it just it still feels like a very all over the place organization and I don't know if it's a bureaucracy issue Um. But just, yeah, bad communication. Yeah. yeah. It also, like to get back to what Teresa was saying and kind of what my take on it was, it's a lot of scapegoating mm-hmm. of certain populations that don't Always. have a lot of power. Yeah. So the problem is the infrastructure of the subway is extremely old. Like, I love the subway. I love living in a place where I don't have to drive. Mm-hmm. But it could be better. But instead of investing money in that, it's like, oh, let's have all these kiosks trying to sell you something. To right. make it look mm-hmm. more palatable for the types of people we want to please. Right. Let's make sure there's Wi-Fi in not all the stations. 
But in certain stations, Mm -hmm. let's do this thing where like, oh, like I can just link this to my bank account and tap and go. And I'm, I'm, you know, George Jetson or whatever. (laughs) And meanwhile, like other people are still like struggling to be able to access the train. And it it does seem like more of a. This to me is part of a larger trend that I've been complaining to people about where mm-hmm. you seem it used to be a minor inconvenience. You go somewhere and they didn't take cash. Right. Um, no, not that, that they didn't take cards. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, oh, like I got to go to the ATM, take some cash out. But at the end of the day, like that's just an inconvenience. It's not like a hard barrier. Right. You see more and more things trying to phase out using cash and it's very to me it's very sinister because if you don't have access to use that you're completely shut out exactly or it's made so difficult that like what are you how are you supposed to get to right and can can somebody please tell me why we can't put dollar bills into buses we made that change to cincinnati like when i was in high school (laughs) and now you have to have like actually two dollars and 75 cents in coins and to no ride pennies. a bus, no, no pennies. pennies. Like I mean, you can't have a dollar. It's almost three dollars. Like, is that when they're going to make the change? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. It's it's all wild. And you know, and your note too about access, right? Like, there's still stations that aren't handicap accessible. Many, or, or, yeah, yeah disability accessible. Um, like many, yeah, many platforms even on, like at the Union uh, Square station, um, like the the six five, four five six is not accessible by someone who's like um. mobily disabled um but the other two lines are so you can get there but you can't transfer it's like a whole series of issues and again like there's elevators that don't work and they don't work for (laughs) you like franklin avenue station in brooklyn is a nightmare yeah if you really need those elevators and it's so many people take that station like i live off the two at the end like i'm the second stop and there's a certain period i think it's after 8 30 where there's no five so mm-hmm. all anybody who needs to catch the two for like five miles wow. is trying to get home, you know, yeah. like make some like, real where's changes. the money for that. Right. Exactly. You know, where's the budget for those things? Jasmine, yeah. um, you were sorry to jump in. But <laughs> no, no, no. When you said you made that joke about George Jetson and it reminded me I'd never really watched the Jetsons. <laughs> and so I checked out the first episode and it's it's interesting because in the first episode George Jetson is stuck in a traffic jam because <laughs> I don't remember this he's he's in the air he's flying but there's a traffic jam in this like flying uh and and I bring up that example because it shows that in the present if we're not truly imagining a future we're just actually repackaging the past Right. They thought, mm. oh, oh, we'll shit, still Matt. have personal vehicles, <laughs> but we'll just set the, the, bar, the highways, yeah. you know, 100 feet in the air. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And we're talking about like MTA investment, like really trying to imagine how to have a system that works in a city where the economic stratification right. is so different. Right. Like how to price things, how to make it so that we can pay for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, tying it back to our first local news story, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to the past. I'm, I'm really past, future, fitting present. my role of like white guy thinking of the past. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's I, I like the connection because you, it just shows you that, you know, if 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 that's always working, you know, then why would we change it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, one of the running jokes I've heard about the Jetsons is that, you know, you don't see any black people. <laughs> Because in a lot or black or brown Mm. people like. Yeah. So in some people's minds, like when they're thinking of advancing in the future, like there's always certain groups that are left out 
or that mm. are not really included in the vision of how to make things better. Like right. it always kind of caters to the which is upper echelon. And it's also the people making that vision and who they right, are. Right, right, yeah. right. Like who's included yeah. in the decision making? Who do you value right. as a society or as a city? Ugh, woof. Um, thank you, you so see. much, Jasmine. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time for our first music break uh, before we jump into some national news stories, uh, including drumroll, please. <laughs> Impeachment. <laughs> we need to have like bombs what? going out like, <laughs> like DJ Clue or something. Um, we'll be right back with Objections to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. I book myself tables at all the best restaurants that need alone. I buy myself fast cars just so I can drive them real fucking slow. I like my own company, company. Don't 
Hi, guys. We are back. <laughs> Welcome back. Hey, uh, can we first start off with a shout out for my great friend, Jasmine's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know him, but I imagine he's a, a wonderful person. Why give give your shout out to your dad for your, uh, it's his birthday, right, Jasmine? Well, it's almost his birthday, but okay. like he's Yay. he's graduated to the point in life where in my family he gets a whole month. <laughs> oh wow! That's right. So my father, hi dad, I love you. Happy birthday! <laughs> Happy birthday. future b- birthday! It's actually tomorrow, <laughs> and also to my fr- my good friend Eric, who recently became a doctor. Oh, not, nice. not the kind that saves lives. Oh. The kind. The kind that educates and edifies and all of that. That's so good, he too. recently came with a doctor and it was his birthday yesterday. Very so cool. happy birthday to two of my yeah. favorite uh, Libras. Uh, I love Libra season. I'm up next, you guys. Yeah. My okay. dad's birthday's on Thursday. Oh, yeah? yeah Mine's yeah. Saturday and I won't be here. His birthday's on Mean Girls Day. Oh. oh. I didn't October know that was 3rd. like a whole thing. Yeah, it's like I asked him what day it was. He said October 3rd and then you see, you see it. It's October 3rd. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the national news, guys. It's the big one or a big one uh, that we've been talking about. Or it's been, I don't know. Everyone I know has been talking about it for so, three I know years you, at this right? point. I know you put a lot of in, like energy into this. So uh, just like, yeah. thanks for breaking it down. Oh, yeah. Girl. No, I did a lot of research because I wanted to make sure I got it because it's complicated. It is yes. a complicated thing. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of layers to this story. So I'm just going to dive in. Um, so Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announced the start of a formal impeachment process against President Trump in light of the whole whistleblower Ukraine situation that's currently blowing up. So to summarize that first part of the situation. OK, so there's OK, there's so many layers. I'm just going to let you know what's going to come. So I'm going to talk about the whole Ukraine thing and what that was. I'm going to talk about the whistleblower thing and what's going on with that. And then I'm going to talk about the actual impeachment situation. So there's okay. like three different layers to this story. <laughs> um, so recently released documents show that Trump tried to pressure the president of Ukraine to investigate his political opponent and former vice president, Joe Biden, with the implicit threat of withholding $391 million in aid. So I think a couple of days, what happened was a couple of days before this phone call that was set up with Ukraine, they uh, Trump had ordered his staff to to hold back that money. Um, so he never explicitly says in the call that that's why, but it's kind of it's underlying the whole conversation is both sides knowing who has money and who needs and who's waiting for it. Okay. Um, pretty sinister stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like, you know, I don't think there's any there's not like it hasn't legally been proven, quote unquote, but that's kind of what the story is. Um, and according to a released letter from the intelligence community's inspector general, quote, the White House officials who told me this information were deeply disturbed by what had transpired in the phone call. They told me that there was already a on discussion ongoing with White House lawyers about how to treat the call because of the likelihood in the officials retelling that they had witnessed the president um, buy his office or use his office for personal gain. Um, also from the letter, another quote, in the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the president of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. And I got all that information from uh, the New York Times reporting. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. Um, so what happened almost, I think, almost immediately after that call, though, is that what, what these release documents have shown is that White House lawyers tried to have transcripts of that phone call with the Ukrainian president filed as highly classified in an attempt to hide the politically sensitive information. So... There's different classifications for all sorts of things. Um, this call, like on what it was supposed to be, would not normally be considered highly sensitive. 
But the lawyers saw it and tried to have it reclassified as something it was not mm. to have fewer people see it because they knew something bad had happened um, is what the story is. Um, so the revelation of all of this to the public um, was initiated by an anonymous whistleblower complaint. Um, so, you know, it, there's a lot of stories coming out now that he might be he I, I'm assuming it's a guy, but it could be a, just a girl, I guess. I don't know. But um, a CIA official who was present, saw this happening. Um, the story is he tried to go through the official like um, channels to get it reported, but that the, the official channels went right to the right white house and the, um, the whistleblower saw that happening and was like, I need to be a whistleblower. This needs to come out. And I don't think they're taking this seriously enough. Um, so Nancy Pelosi came out and called the whole situation, a cover up of a cover up as the Trump administration did not immediately share the whistleblower complaint with Congress, despite calls for it to do so. So this is, it's, it's heavy guys. It's heavy. Um, yeah. So when that happened, um, Pelosi announced earlier this week that there's a formal impeachment impeachment inquiry, which is not a formal impeachment yet. It just means that there's an investigation, um, officially happening now against Trump that will result in the presentation of potentially impeachable offenses by the president. And that could lead to articles of impeachment, which are, (laughs) for anyone who needs a a refresher, it's a constitutionally granted ability to formally charge the president of, quote, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, And then if he's charged with that, the Senate will then have to vote to remove him from office. So this is just the very beginning of anything that would actually lead to Trump's removal from office. Um, Trump, of course, has called the whole thing another witch hunt. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, uh, what's interesting, though, is that there are some Republicans in both the Senate, the, the Senate, this House and the Senate um, who are holding off on judgment until they learn more from the investigation. Whew, OK, so that's the whole thing oh, <laughs> as far right. as I guess, as far as I know. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. How are we all feeling? This is this is um, fairly wild. I was just looking up. Uh, as you were speaking, mm-hmm. I, I figured I'd add more to the conversation by I wanted to go. Oh, how is the Fox News? Uh, oh, cool. covering this how is Fox reflection? News covering oh, it? Well, I they, have a Fox on my shirt, by the way. Oh. But this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's a very hip shirt. <laughs> Fox News, what, from just one article um, that was uh, written, um, it's, it's odd because they... The journalists work at Fox News. It's not just all right. just completely mm-hmm. uh, talking head. Yeah. yeah. And, and so was... how do you cover Trump in a pro-Trump way without violating the rules of journalism? And apparently what you do what is a concept. you just quote him. <laughs> this oh. whole article is just a series of Trump said this. Trump attacked House Democrats saying. Oh, they wow. So you just paint a clear picture. Yeah. It's just like this is what he said. Oh, how interesting. So you get all of these complaints from the president towards everyone making these accusations without um, without technically lying, um, which I guess is a lesson for anyone who quote wants without to- technically lying because <laughs> you're just <laughs> quoting. Right? Uh, I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's I mean, do we think. OK, so are we this whole thing? It just it feels like it's been building for years, even though this particular thing um, was something that I think happened earlier this summer. Um, it's interesting that something that anything finally happened that yeah. made people move forward because there was a lot of caution in uh, for Democrats in the House and and long long time um, House Democrats who were worried about um, some doing something that would be bad for the party. 
Well, bad for the party, but also have such a backlash in a bipartisan way, like like the fear that this could, you know, any because Trump has done a lot of stuff that any like I'm just going to go and say almost any other president, if any other president had done these things, there would have been an impeachment inquiry a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And, you know, you could you call it party. I mean, it it is it is party because it's such a divisive state of things right now Mm -hmm. and it's the fear that with if you don't move forward with something that is serious that is bad that is that is cat like that is undeniably gotta have some power to it undeniably catastrophic that you know there could be a backlash in a way that would be harmful to people who want to see trump face the you know yeah the news i mean i can understand that but in the same context like it's time yeah. It's time. Like, yeah. come on. I mean, I feel, you know, not to say I'm I'm trying to be as bipartisan as possible, mm-hmm. I guess, when I care to say about that. <laughs> but um, realistically, like, I'm kind of just an American. And at right. the end of the day, I'm waiting on somebody to have some some tough balls or something like nobody cares. Nobody's willing. Who's going to step out for the everyday person mm-hmm. that's like haunted by all of this? So. I'm actually feeling a little happy about this. Even if we don't make it all the way through, at least some something was said. Like somebody's got to fight yeah. back. Somebody's got to fight back. And I think that there's been many things that we could have used up to this yeah. point. So it's, you know, I guess it's timely. Mm-hmm. You know me, I'm always thinking about the se- sequence of things <laughs> and where we are um, before the election. But, right. you know, let's just see how it goes. I'm right. sure that if this one gets into the ears of those that it need to, then there's plenty more ammunition to back it up yeah Yeah, like you can't we can't be obsessed with being strategic or being political uh or the feasibility of impeachment sometimes right there's some uh there's value in just standing up and just seeing who's uh who's going to come forward and uh support uh the 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 proper workings of government yeah Yeah. and that's a that's a very idealistic way to phrase it and i i like the attitude for me, I, I'm a, it's a little bit, I just, I, you know, I'm excited that it's finally, like some, I mean, it's, it's bad. This bad thing happened and yeah, I'm happy. Right. We're like, we're happy. Right. We're, I'm happy somebody's doing something about it. Um, Cause it's also, I mean, I guess I'm happy cause I feel like this whole time I felt like this sort of thing was probably going on the whole time. Right. Like yeah. we just, this is the one we heard about or, exactly. you know what I mean? Someone, he just acts with impunity all the time. It feels like, but, and then the sin, I'm cynical though. Cause it's like, well, the Senate has to actually vote for something to actually come of all this. Um, and that makes me cynical because I don't, you know, the Senate is still pro-Trump, I guess. I don't know if there's another way of saying it. Um, well, that, at least you know, that's what we think. Yeah. Not to right. always relate everything to Nixon and Watergate. <laughs> but after Watergate, uh, everyone that uh, chose party over country, everyone that that picked sides early on, they got voted out. So there, there is... Uh, even yeah. losing a, a fight, a political fight like this, of going for impeachment does have some value. Right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, uh, Nixon resigned before, before as soon as but when they announced yeah, his impeachment or at some point before it could actually get to something formal. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's another thing, too. No president has ever been removed from office directly from an impeachment vote. So like, you're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking yeah. up with you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and you could you can say that, well, he did. He left because of the impeachment, like that did have a direct reaction, but not through the formal channels. Um, and then after that, big flood of uh, Democrats <laughs> got elected. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's um, I'm sorry. I don't know. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, 
I would just like to say, (laughs) I think it's unfortunate that of all the things that we see this man in office has encouraged, like from distrust of the media to maybe not explicitly, but implicitly like supporting like violent white supremacists and things of that nature. All of those things are not good enough. But when it comes to something that, you know, not to say that this is insignificant, but it's not something that perhaps like people in this country necessarily feel in their day to day, like that there's something different in the air. Like I've seen people in Brooklyn walking around with full on like Nazi Mm. gear, you know, ready to where I feel unsafe. And that's been going on for so long. Right. So I think it it says a lot that it takes some. This thing that is uh, important, but also somewhat removed from the day to day and like the rights that people have lost. And also, the f- I think if people get too caught up in like, oh, he might be impeached. It's like, well, we also have a vice president mm. that is an actual real experienced politician yeah. that might <laughs> just be a lot smarter and eat, like better Waiting at his moment. job of dismantling like whatever protections oh, he feels God. we need to do. So it's... um. I guess it to me, it's like I wouldn't say that I'm excited. I don't yeah. really get the excitement because there's so many things that have not changed. And there's a lot of chances for it to just get worse from people who support him lashing out violently mm. or threatening violence and things like that. So I'm I'm very anxious about what this means. That's really interesting. Um, what you because it, it is interesting that I mean couple of things. It's interesting that Nixon's thing was also about investigating political rivals. Right. Um, so there's that parallel that's really interesting. Um, but, you know, and Nixon also was doing all sorts of worse other things. Bad things. Yeah, other bad things. That a lot are, of bad stuff. But it is interesting, like, what is... I mean, you're talking about a whole zeitgeist situation. And and while I agree that Trump... And it th- well, it's like, you know, which came first, chicken or the egg? Was it the people that wanted him elected and they brought they are now able to and free to kind of do the things they wanted to do anyway. But, um, you know, what's, what's legally, you know, what you can legally latch onto in a situation like this versus what, you know, like grab her by the pussy, right? Like that shit. How is that? You know, that's not impeachable, but it should be. (laughs) Absolutely. Or is that freedom of speech? Right. Or is it freedom of speech? I don't know. Um, I mean, it is, but, Ugh, so gross we i mean just I just because he's not he can legally say it doesn't mean that we have to put up with it exactly it? Yeah. right and, and i think it really just like how do we define what it means to right to but be, also it's also inciting violence against women so yeah. maybe it's not free speech i don't know it doesn't right. sound like it was it the term gross crimes and misdemeanors yeah, uh, yeah. exactly offenses. yeah um here's some good news okay <laughs> a little early what's up um what you said is the chicken and the egg thing. Is it a chicken or the egg? A classic uh, epistemological question. Ooh. I have the answer for everyone. Oh, please. It's the egg. Oh. And that's because... Evolution? Do uh, uh, mutation speaking. is how you get new species. Come on. Oh. Come on, you got to drop them, gems. So <laughs> it, it can't be the chicken. It has to be once a, a new... Oh. The cells are divided and they mutate in a new way and... You have a chicken. The birth of the bullshit, right? Ah! Okay. Yes. Okay. Freedom of speech, folks. That's, at least that's what you told me. All right. I think. I think. Any last? Any last? I love that takeaway. <laughs> Thank you. Any thoughts before we move forward to the next one? <sighs> National to be news. To be, to con- be TV. Oh, for right? sure. TBC. Um. So, uh, 
All right, bringing the mood down. I don't know, sideways, <laughs> something. To the left. To the left. Um, so the Trump administration announced this week its plan to cap the number of refugees for resettlement in the U.S. at 18,000 for the 2020 fiscal year, which is a record low. Uh, Trump also announced a plan to work with state and local governments on this issue, departing from what has traditionally been a federal initiative. Of those 18,000 spots, 5,000 will be designated for those fleeing religious persecution, 4,000 for Iraqis, 1,500 for Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, leaving 7,500 spots for the remaining demographic. Um, This announcement comes just a few weeks after a second asylum ban, uh, which in summary says that a migrant seeking asylum in the U.S. must first apply for asylum from a country they have passed through. Unlike the first ban, which was blocked at every stage from the Supreme Court, this ban was placed into effect immediately nationwide. So, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. There's an actual number on people's yeah. heads. I, I mean, that's that sort of quota thing has existed yeah. for a long, long time. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, the whole thing. I mean, yeah. Uh, what do we think about the idea of having to apply in another country first? before it you know what i mean i mean how can like (laughs) can you can you can you even get there i hate to be so literal but like really yeah you know what's what's the odds that somebody will make it to a second i know time that is the united states it's just it's making such a bureaucracy out of something that is so human on a gut level right like this uh, a need for safety yeah and to turn it into this thing well first you have to apply here and blah 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 blah. and it's just like why are you making so much harder for people who are fleeing like violence and all sorts of problems yeah it just it to me it just you know although these these numbers have been there all this time when you start to put numbers on actual people's heads you know i just i just imagine like each one of these individuals having a story a plan a life another family member following behind them you know that is the number he put but that's not even the number that's that's realistically with that one person you know what i mean I mean, I don't, I don't know. On a soul level, to me, every time one person is trying to escape, they're doing it for someone else in their family, for their child, mm-hmm. for their sister, you know, for the life that they have planned or, or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it's just really sad to think that that this is where we are, that right. it's almost like you should know your place and, mm-hmm. and how much more like blatant could it be? It reminds me of I, I haven't been a practicing Catholic for mm-hmm. about 15 years or so, but I was raised on the. The Christmas story and it, it just right. it sounds like one of the biggest lessons is uh, Jesus and Mary or I guess Mary and Joseph are walking around and they need a place to stay and everyone's just like move on yeah. and, and they were technically literally refugees because in the story there's like a king who has a prophecy that like mm-hmm. a, a baby's gonna overthrow him so he's trying to kill oh, all the babies right, no right. that's um that's the Torah that's older than Jesus but Okay. But you got you're on the right track though. All right. Sorry. That's I think that's Joseph or something. No. Okay, yeah, but okay. So Whatever. yeah, the story is just like you're not supposed to turn away people in need, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And for yeah. a country that really likes to um uh wield the religious like we are like yeah. a, you know I mean we can talk about the hypocrisy of all that. All day. Right. Not to mention, you know, like if you go somewhere and you burn somebody's house down. And then you have space for them to come and opportunities for them to live somewhere and be safe. And you say, oh, no, I'm not going to help you. 
It's like a lot of um, these people are fleeing situations that in one way or another, this country was responsible for creating. Yep. Come on, yes. talk so about it. So that is yep. really, you know, and these people like Central Americans, like they're right there. Like they're right at the border. They're so close. And, you know, it's really, it's really disgusting, you know, because I know I had people in my family that had to leave the South at a certain point to try to make a better mm-hmm. life for themselves. Like, you know, you do have some people who will, kind of flippantly like make jokes about like oh i don't like the way this country is going i'm gonna move to canada it's like some people really really are at the end of their rope whether with all this climate catastrophes that are happening political unrest gang violence it's really it's just so like the lack of empathy is so deep yeah Mm -hmm. and people really don't understand how that could be you like yeah. you could be in a situation like that where you have to get the hell out of Dodge for your children. You would do anything, mm-hmm. but you can look at these people and think like, oh, whatever, like they need to fix it themselves. Yeah, Jasmine, that that's great. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the responsibility America has for refugees. Honduras, we helped support a uh, we, we helped overthrow a, a democratically elected government there. Guatemala, we had interference in both those uh the dictatorships that we supported crumbled and led to uh, massive political instability. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we say that the chickens is coming home to roost? Ah, another reference. It's chicken and egg, right? <laughs> Boom, another bomb. Yeah, another that's bomb. great. You've been listening to Objection yeah, so, to the Rule. We're going to take a little bit of a fast, break, Real right? fast, Yeah, um, so, thank you to Sarah for doing that reporting. She's not in studio today. And we also forgot to say that the first song we played was called Good Thing, but, yes. Yeah, by Sad and Kalani. Kalani. Thank you, Teresa. Yes, and no then, problem. In case I forget again, this is uh, This is America by Childish Gambino. All right, play us out, Matt.
Welcome back to Objections to the Rule. Thank you for staying with us. All right, so we've had a lot to talk about today. This next story um, of world news is a reflection of China. So right now, it's a very interesting time for the the Republic. Um, they are in the midst of an anniversary of the Umbrella Movement and um, also amidst their National Day celebrations. Uh, so tens of thousands of people descended upon Hong Kong's government headquarters on Saturday night to mark the fifth anniversary of the Umbrella Movement. Um, what this is, is a pro-democracy movement that started back in autumn of 2014. And what happened was there was a 79-day sit-in that laid siege to the government office compound and took over parts of downtown uh, the downtown business district. So they have been, um, you can say that the protest today is almost a continuation um, of this movement that had, had started back then. Um, this year's anniversary comes amid 16 continuous weeks of anti-government protests in Hong Kong and have evolved into a new wave of this new pro-democracy movement. On October 1st, the People's Republic marks the 70th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. Can you guys imagine 70 years of the same leadership? Um, um, yeah, just to just take yeah. a moment uh, on that. Uh, it's a little bit unprecedented to even think about With one party. Exactly. Wow. Um, President Xi Jinping uh, will oversee a special National Day military parade in Beijing featuring 15,000 personnel, 160 aircraft and 580 pieces of weaponry and equipment um, being displayed while the protesters in Hong Kong continue to gear up for more demonstrations. So China today, if we just take a quick reflection, is one of the world's leading manufacturers of exporters, contains the world's largest standing army and holds the title of the second largest economy. But the other side of this reflection is its ongoing war, trade war with the U.S. Pop, uh, U.S. pollution and air quality issues from widespread development and claims of neocolonialism and debt trap diplomacy from their partner nations. Um, so that's a lot to think about. Um, while China definitely came up, you know, in the last 70 years or so, if you want to take it back that far, but also um, gained a better place on the world stage, it's also amidst a whole bunch of turmoil and civil unrest that's been going on there um, for lots of years. And lately this year has has definitely taken a, a big, big toll on the people there. Um, so my question to you guys with thinking about, you know, just the longstanding history of this leadership and everything this country has been through. Um, is nationalism a real thing? Like what exactly is being celebrated right now? Um, what from an interesting government. question. You mean like in this day and age? Yeah. Nationalism on like in when we're in such like a global exactly. world. I mean, what does I that really mean? Because at a time when nationalism was like started and being considered, you know, different governments were making moves on the world stage. But today this is this is different. I think I think it's a different time. Uh, to consider what it means to be a citizen of anything. Man. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting when you look at ch in a place like China, because it, they do try and tightly control mm -hmm. their, their citizenship in a way that, I mean, hypothetically the U S doesn't and like their access to the internet is regulated in a different way. Um, so it's, it's, interesting it's an interesting question that i don't know if my like how valid even my perspective on it <laughs> would be because I mean, i'm looking at yeah i mean yeah that's fair i shouldn't your, your perspective yeah. is very valid oh my gosh thank you so much um <laughs> what do you guys think yeah. what, do you, what do you think that they are celebrating well, one thing that came to mind when you were talking about nationalism put us on our feet because we're 
knocked us off our feet because we, we say the word a lot and we kind of take it to mean just like, oh, having to be overly loyal, uh, overly romantic about the idea of a nation. And when you said that, and I was thinking of China, I was, I heard, I was learning that the Chinese script um, can be spoken in, in different languages. The dialects are very different. So right. people that can't verbally communicate can read the same newspaper. Right, right, yeah. And I think that's something that as Americans, we don't really understand or, and also the, the underdog story of China of it's, it, the, the rise it's had must mm-hmm. be like an incredibly intoxicatingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's something to be proud of. Yeah. I mean, uh, in some of the reporting that I've seen in some of the videos, um, some of the people were saying like, you know, it's great to just have, you know, a stable life and uh, be able to take care of our families and have leisure money to travel. Right. Um, but that's like it. That, that's all there is, you know, and it has this rich history and all these very rich customs that I think today uh, is a little bit overshadowed by its government and its politics. Uh, just something to think about, because, you know, just in that last thing, I'm like, I'm an American. But like, really, what what does that even mean? Right. You know, even amidst, you know, all this Trump stuff. What does it really mean to, to feel loyalty to well, a country? We're also in a sem- somewhat unique position in that we're. As a as a nation, we're relatively new compared mm-hmm. to most nations on this planet, and we're a nation of immigrants and or colonizers, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, where I think, and and a lot of nations on this planet, they it's it was a population that developed ethnically similar to each other and culturally similar to each other, and I think we as a nation struggle to to find a place for everybody all the mm-hmm. time. Some people want that. Some people don't, which makes it even harder to do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean a place. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Like what makes up a nation? Yeah. You know, yeah. all that stuff. One of the things that stood out to me, like reading the script is um, pollution and air quality control were mentioned. And I think it's a good uh, metaphor for the ways in which the U.S. will sometimes or sometimes American citizens will sometimes look to other places as look at that place. It's so bad. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Like we literally dump a lot of our recyclables that actually aren't re- able to be recycled into places like China and other poor countries right. and then say, mm-hmm. look at how dirty they are. And there's Oof. also a lot of things that are wrong with it here. Like there's yeah. many people here who are not able to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, they technically should be able to. There's whole mechanisms that, you know, go through no met by hook or by crook. They're going to find a way to not count your voice. So how democratic is like where you're living? Exactly. So I right. think, you know, at times like China, of course, it has many issues, especially right now with the way um, their Muslim population is being treated. Um, no place is perfect. But I think it's it's important to not fall into some of the boogeyman like oh this big bad other place you mm-hmm. know that can be distracting from the ways we contribute to it or have some of the same issues here they're just um obscured by mm-hmm. where a democracy you know so yeah yeah is the grass really greener on the other side right um, definitely something to consider and yeah. i guess we'll follow back with that <laughs> yeah. next week um so 
should we should we skip to good news? What do y'all want to yes. do? All right, some good, good news. news. Please. Please. All right, yeah. good news. All right. News. So I have two quick good news stories, and I'll post more on our Facebook group uh, just to follow up. Uh, the first one I think is good news. Uh, formal gang leaders embrace peace so that they can stop violence and be better role models. Uh, so this this story came from the Good News Network, and it basically talks about how a former Blood member, Atong Lucky, who used to be a leader of the Bloods in Dallas, is now a co-founder of a group called the Original Gangsters United. Um, it's an initiative that recruits former gang members to be mentors, ambassadors for young people trapped in a cycle of street violence. I think it's really great um, that they're do- finding positive ways to contribute back to their community. And the best part about this story is uh, what we don't know is most people who get out of prison are projected to go back and be in some other sort of um, illegal behavior after they are released. Well, a program like this uh, will actually give them an opportunity to learn how to be positive role models and give them the support they need. So maybe it will stop them from going back. Yay. Good news, Teresa. Wow, Woo. that Take was a right? Hey, so you got to do. do. Short story short, Crips and the Blood gang yes. leaders are coming together. And now there's one big gang called yeah. the OG, LGU, Original Gangsters United. But it's for uh, to keep people from falling back into the criminal justice system, exactly. right? It's got a more positive connotation. Exactly. So at least we have some peacemakers, <laughs> peacemakers among us, Yay. right? Yay, amazing. Um. All right, we only have a couple um, couple minutes left. Any last thoughts, guys? You've no. been listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yes, yes I'd like to uh, thank all of our listeners for tuning in with us, and definitely thank you for engaging with us in our social media. Follow our Facebook group if you want to hear more about these stories and what we have coming up in the future. Yeah, uh, I have a quick on air read. Um, so the New Orleans Musicians Clinic provides medical care to musicians and performing artists in the city of New Orleans. They offer occupational and comprehensive health services for musicians, performers, cultural workers, and tradition bearers of New Orleans. They provide these services regardless of insurance status or ability to pay. Please find out more uh, information and how you can support the roots of all music at New Orleans musiciansclinic.org. Um, yeah. You want to take us out? Oh yeah, and let's uh, let's. You want to close with a couple minutes of the last song you picked, Teresa? Yeah, let's do that because we need some good vibes. And this is always a great song. This is Where's the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. We wish you guys a right. awesome rest of September. We'll see you next week, 1 p.m. Bye. Bye. Bye.